The Toyota MR2 sports car. Lexus, the result of our relentless pursuit of perfection. Oh, what a feeling. Toyota. Toyota. Let's go places. With the 2022 Tundra releasing soon, we're dedicating not one, not two, but three whole episodes of Toyota Untold to really digging into what this new truck is capable of. Now, to celebrate Veterans Day, we wanted to start by turning our attention to a story we were sent via social media. Tyler and I see a ton of really cool stories sent from our customers who send us pictures, videos of their builds, odometers that have racked up crazy mileages on their cars. And it's actually been really cool to see um, some of these stories and numbers ticking over the years, and it's really impressive. But something even more impressive is Jeff Buckenroth's story. He's our first guest today, and he's part of the Toyota family in a really interesting way that goes way beyond mileage. Jeff has turned his Tundra into a fully-fledged camper vehicle, and he's been using it to visit the many beautiful national parks across the United States. Then after that, we'll talk to Kevin Cavanaugh about Tundra Sedona, an event for people who love taking their Toyotas off-road just as much as Jeff. With that, this is Toyota Untold. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Tyler. Let's get it. Jeff is a lifelong Tundra driver and former U.S. Air Force vet. He recently retired and has been spending his newly found free time traveling across the country to visit amazing national parks, all while living out of the back of his Tundra. It's an amazing story and just another example of how often Toyota is a part of important moments in people's lives. And without further ado, let's welcome Jeff Buckenroth to the podcast. Jeff Buckenroth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming today. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to tell my story. And you kind of have that story as the, you know, part of the Toyota family. Jeff loves the outdoors, but it was a specific inciting incident that made him realize the power of the Tundra. It truly is an amazing truck. The technology in it and all that. It's a pleasure to drive. And my dad belongs to a hunting club that's in Mississippi. He was instrumental in setting up the Mississippi training program for the new Toyota plant that went in down there close to Tupelo. Mm -hmm. So he was a big part of that, setting up the whole training program and whatnot. All these guys that he met, deans of colleges and uh, political figures and all that, have a big hunting club. Mm -hmm. So he joined, and we've been going down there for 20 years. January the 12th of 2018, a snowstorm, ice storm hit uh on i-40 i don't know if anybody recalls that you can look it up it was a mess and we were on our way to hunting camp so i have an 80 year old man in the truck with me i got a 16 year old boy in the truck with me and this flatbed comes flying by us at 60 70 mile an hour on the ice and the snow and i seen it all in photos like slow motion and he went sideways another cars just started piling into his truck there was a purple truck in front of me and I hit my brakes and started skidding and I knew that it wasn't anything I was going to do. I was just going to skid and crash into somebody. And I said, hang on boys, we're going to the ditch and followed this purple truck down into the ditch. There was a concrete 
like culvert down in there that drains water. And I thought, God, my truck's only, you know, a year and a half old at this time. I'm thinking, oh man, here it goes. This is going to tear my truck up, you know. And I stayed in the rear, I stayed in the driver's mirror of that purple semi truck. Mm-hmm. So he could see me the whole time. And I just kind of, we just kind of both went down in the ditch. Parked on the side of the road sideways. I looked over at my dad, and he's got a hold of that bar hanging on to it. Dear life. <laughs> yep. Oh, and the 16-year-old in the back, he goes, good job, Jeff. And I was like, this truck is amazing. It did everything that I needed it to do. Mm-hmm. And even got me out of there. And the snow and the ice put it in four-wheel drive. Got up on the road. We checked everybody around us. Everybody was okay. But you could still hear the cars on down the freeway just smashing and piling up. Yeah. And we went up the freeway a little bit. I'll be darned if they weren't piled up some more. So we had to oh, turn wow. around, come back, and I put it in four-wheel drive. And I said, you think we can make it back across there? We made it down this way, you know. Dad goes, I don't know. I don't know. We should stay out here. At below a quarter of a tank of gas, it's getting cold. And I said, we're not going to stay here. We got to get out of here with an 83 year old man, a 16 year old boy. So four wheel drive back across and hopped on the interstate and we were all fine. So the truck is just amazing that way. That's um, an incredible story. It kept us safe. Yeah. You know? It kept us safe and there wasn't a scratch on it. Nothing happened to it or anything. I brought it back, took it to the dealer. Ask them to check it all out. Everything was fine. It's been fine ever since. This was the moment that made Jeff realize just how durable and reliable his Tundra was. He'd always wanted to travel and visit America's national parks. So when he retired, he set about checking them off, all with the help of his Tundra. I decided to retire from the VA, the pandemic. I had a very stressful job and uh, just time for me to go. I turned 62 on June 23rd, seven days later, I retired, and I told my wife, I said, I've got to cross some things off my bucket list. I want to go see Glacier, the Yellowstone, Devil's Tower. I want to go to Deadwood. I want to spend some time there. And she goes, go do it. Go have some fun. And she couldn't get off work. And everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, going by yourself? And I say, well, yeah, I like myself. I you know, I get along with myself. Okay. I have a pretty good time and, yeah. you know, never met a stranger. So I didn't really plan a trip. My ultimate goal was to get to Glacier and then figure out from there how much farther I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it was an incredible trip. I have seen some beautiful country and thank God for the presidents that have created the national park system. Yep. Otherwise, and they take such good care of them. I mean, a big shout out to all the rangers and the National Park Service for the care that they do take. You know, I even thanked a few people. You'd see them out picking up trash with these great big long extenders. And, you know, I mean, I don't know why anybody would throw, want to throw anything out there. Anyhow, and I would thank them. I'd say thank you for all you do, you know, keeping it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Leave no uh, trace, right? Yeah. That's incredible that your wife, listen. I know my husband, when he gets that look in his eye, I'm like, there's, I'm not stopping anything that's <laughs> happening up in the head. So um, I'm sure you're like, yay, yeah, go do it and, and experience that. And that's fantastic. We saw a lot of people during at the start of the pandemic, you know, because of social distancing, 
they would take their rigs out and camp and said, hey, this is far away from people as I can get right now um, and using their vehicles that way. So some people go off-roading purposefully, right? Off-roading was kind of a, a um, part of the adventures that you were taking, right? Oh, yes. It'll go anywhere I need it to go. And actually went some pretty neat places on some of these little lonely, nothing like Kentucky, you know, there's a lot of hills and things like that. But uh, yeah, the truck, the truck is just amazing. Clearly, Jeff knows his national parks. So let's get right into it. Which one is his favorite? Oh, gosh, that's hard to say. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yellowstone Glacier. I tell you, I would visit them all. But Yellowstone, the just the beauty of the mountains. I love being up high in the mountains. And, you know, you get up nine, ten thousand feet. I mean, the beauty of the sky, the stars, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. That you don't get to see on the East Coast. Yeah. You know, light pollution and all. But yeah, probably Yellowstone. Yellowstone's so big, you could actually spend three or four days there. Mm-hmm. And still not see it all, probably. Oh, not absolutely. Do yeah. You know, when I was in the service, I visited a lot of national parks. I used to do a lot of backpacking, things like that. So the Sierra Crest, uh, Pacific Crest Trail, mm-hmm. and the Sierra Nevadas, did a lot of hiking up there. When Jeff visits each park, he now camps out of his vehicle. If you're wondering exactly how he does that, he made a few small modifications. My wife and I bought a uh, an R-Pod camper. We love the outdoors. We love camping. So I used it to tow that camper around for a year. Then COVID hit. Okay, so you can't get into a campground to save your butt. And we decided, we spent two hours online trying to find a uh, campground or whatever. We decided to sell the camper. Well, we made money on the camper because camping suppliers can't keep up with the demand. So we took the extra money and I put some modifications into my truck. And we've just been camping out of the back of the truck. I created a little platform for a full size. There's a twin and a full size, a twin, a small mm-hmm. one. And uh, I created a little pat- platform. I have a little wood shop out here. That's always been my dream. And I just completed it. And I built this whole platform with drawers in the bottom. I can put all my, I have an electric skillet and also have a little gas stove, mm-hmm. a little tiny coffee pot. I built the platform a few days before I left. It was the 4th of July weekend, okay? Yeah. Uh, tried it all out, made sure everything's going to fit in there and all that. Even had a little flop-up door that extended out, put legs on it, and yep. that was my little table that I could put my skillet on, my coffee pot, cook my breakfast, do all that kind of stuff. Rain for a few days, got started, took off. My wife was at work. I called her. I said, I'm heading out. I'll let you know where I land and took off and i'll tell you the freedom to just unwind after retiring from a stressful job when you're in a hospital during a pandemic i just had to let it soak in for a little bit you know and just absorb it and it didn't really feel i felt still rushed all the time like i was having to rush and i was like you're retired take your time you know yeah i made it through st louis through the arches and all that and stopped at this little campground. It was getting kind of late, about 10 o'clock. It was on the 3rd of July. And I thought, man, everybody in the world is going to be camping. Nobody's going to let me in here or anything else. And I pulled in and 
luckily the lady was still in the office and I said, do you have any sites available? And she said, no. And I said, well, it's just me and my truck. I said, I don't take up much room or anything. And she goes, just for one night. And I said, just one night, just need a place to sleep. And she goes, I got a place I can put you. So I just met some incredible people. She took me back by this little pond, parked me there. And I had electricity. I had everything that I needed. So that was my first experience of, because I didn't know how people were going to be on the road. You know, mm-hmm. She's a very nice lady. I met incredible people on the way. So the next morning I get up. I take off. I'm heading through South Dakota. And I'm looking and at the, the back of the truck that one of the pictures that you sent. And it's just, yeah, I see the, the bed on the platform. And then you uh, have room on the side for everything else. Coolers, um, yes. anything else that you may need. And also you have a tent that comes out the side, right? To provide coverage if it rains or for any other weather. Yes, it's a maxi track awning. I got it okay. from Napa. There are some very expensive models out there and this and that. Napa's got one. It was on sale for $100. I went and got it, put it on. And I'm telling you, it is the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, yeah. it takes like five minutes to set that thing up. And it was awesome. So people would come up to me and say, what do you got going on in here? You know, what do you got going on? So I was like, come here, let me show you what I did and all that. Yeah. And in the meantime, I ordered a kit called a Topper Easy Lift is what mm-hmm. it's called. And it's four synchronized gears that mount in the truck and mount to the topper itself. And it'll raise it up 17 and a half, 18 inches, something like that. Yes, I see comes, that now. Comes with the tent materials and and all that. And man, I'm telling you, the thing's awesome. We just got back from Cherokee in it. And it was perfect. It was raining, everything. We stayed dry. My wife loves it. We cook over... Uh, Lodge cast iron, so we Dutch oven, we cooked uh, stuffed peppers. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing trip. Got a, a whole thing going, love it. It's incredible. Of course, even with modifications, there are still a few creature comforts that you can't quite get when you're out on the road. So, shower was a big deal. Yes, <laughs> camping like this is uh, so if you find a campground with a shower, you're in luck, you know. Mm-hmm. Some places I camped, I didn't have I didn't have a shower. When I left Missouri, I drove forever through South Dakota, and there's it's just such desolate prairie. They call it Long Valley, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hadn't had a shower in a couple of days, so I stopped at a hotel in Kennebuck, South Dakota, and got cleaned up and had a couple of cold beers, you know, and watched mm-hmm. the storm blow through and all that, and then. Next morning, got up and headed to the Badlands. And so I didn't, I was just going to pay to get into the park. I didn't know that the government did this, but mm-hmm. all veterans get into the national parks for free. You can get a pass. And I didn't know that. And the lady was so nice at the entrance of, because I always wear an Air Force hat. I always got it on. She said, are you in the service? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, got out this card and she said here sign right here this will get you into all the national parks amazing yes thank you so much so driving into the badlands was just breathtaking so tell us about your time in the military was it all in alaska or uh did you were you stationed elsewhere 
I had the best time in the military, and I was very fortunate. I uh, was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base first. So back then, the space shuttle was going on. The space shuttle hadn't even taken off yet. They were still working on it. And I was lucky enough to be able to work closely with NASA and all that. I graded the first space shuttle runway that it landed on the lake bed. Used to wait, check all the hoist, and lift it up on the on the 747 when it would fly around. You know, it was a big thing back then. You mm-hmm. know, now it's it's ancient yeah okay but uh back then it was really really cool and so then i got stationed in northern california sacramento i love tahoe tahoe is one of my favorite places used to go snow skiing all the time all that that's where the truck came into play the new truck that i got while i was in the military and all that and then i got orders to alaska so alaska i was super fortunate there um because I was on one of the very first Superfund sites when the EPA got started. Mm. And I got to travel the whole site. It sounds like a, uh, you know, not a very glamorous job, but it was actually pretty fun because I had this big backyard to play in. But we'd set up camps and we were cleaning up hazardous waste left over from World War II. Mm. And uh, PCBs, things like that, a lot of contaminated soils and whatnot. Yep. And then 1985, uh, I decided to get out. I kicked myself in the butt every day for that because as the best friends I've ever had, the best time in my life I've ever had, and I've never had that camaraderie since. And so I miss it. Back to Jeff's trip. Visiting the Badlands is one thing, but to actually camp out in it is a whole different experience. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the beauty, I mean... I can see why they call it the Badlands and why in the old West days, you know, why everybody went there to hide. I mean, there's so many little canyons and hiding places and things like that. They never find anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And I seen where there was a campground in there. It was 12 miles on this dirt road. And I'm telling you, it was the bumpiest dirt road ever. Everything on my dash was bouncing in that truck. And I'm thinking, God, I hope I'm not tearing my truck up, you know. Yeah. I'm this, I'm not going to have much squeaks and rattles and things mm-hmm. like that. It took me about two hours to go that 12 miles. But on the way, I seen antelope. I seen bison, herds of bison. Bison yeah. just walking down the road. Wow. And, you know, me taking care of my truck like I do, I'm thinking, God, I hope I don't startle it or something and start ramming my truck or something like that. But I pulled into this called Sage Creek Campground. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend the night here. And it was a big circle, like a wagon train, like they used to do in the old days. And they circled us around. There wasn't anybody there. And uh, couldn't even figure out where to pay at first. And so I pulled in, popped my awning, popped my chair, my cooler, and sat back and just admired the beauty. And took a couple little short hikes up on the hill and, and took some pictures of the camp and whatnot. And then some other people started coming in, and I met people from Colorado. I was camping in a Mercedes van, and they camped right beside me. Another girl came in. She was from Texas, but she was working in Wyoming as a fish and wildlife officer. Mm-hmm. Some other people from Nebraska, and he was from Israel, and another guy from Michigan. And they all ended up at my camp, and we're all just sitting around talking for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Just and that was the lady from uh, in the band from Colorado. She came up and she goes, yeah, I've seen all this over here. What you got going on in here? Yeah. 
And I said, well, let me show you. And they just thought it was the coolest thing ever, the awning, everything. Yeah. Then the lady from the Fish and Wildlife, I got a lot of advice from her. Her name was Melissa, I think. And uh, I got a lot of advice on her. She said, are you hiking by yourself in Yellowstone and all that? And I said, yeah. She goes, are you bear aware? Are you bear trained and all that? And I said, well, I did live in Alaska for two years. And, I, you know, the Air Force taught us a lot about how to deal with the bears, what to do, things like that. And she said, well, the bears are real. Take bear spray. And I said, okay, I promise I will. She, she made me promise to her. Mm-hmm. So I stopped and got bear spray and bear bells and all that kind of stuff. People looked at me like I had three heads, but. What is the advice if you run across a bear? Okay. So if it's a mama and two sow and, and cubs, mm-hmm. stay away. Yep. Stay away. If you're hiking on a trail, you want to make a lot of noise. Whistle, clap, do whatever, put bells on your shoes, anything. Because the last thing you can want to do is surprise a bear. Sneak up. Yeah. Sneak up on somebody. Yeah. So make a lot of noise. Most of the time they're going to run or take off. Now, if you run up on a male by himself, most of the time they're going to run unless you surprise them or whatever. But the big thing to do is don't take your eyes off of it, hold your arms out, bad bear, bad bear, whatever, and just start backing away slowly. Yeah. When you do attack you, you are supposed to lay down, cover your head, cover your neck, and don't move. Mm -hmm. Because what the bear wants to do is neutralize the threat. Right. Once you neutralize, it'll go away and leave you alone. And then mm-hmm. once it leaves, you know, hopefully you're not hurt too bad. Get up and get out of there. But don't ever run. Don't ever run. A bear will chase you. And they can run 35 mile an hour uphill or downhill. Not a tree they can't climb. So I have heard the conflicting advice of whether to run to run or not to run. So that's don't good run. to know. Play dead. Don't run. Okay. Play dead. If you can do it. I don't see how the human body can do that. It'd be a natural instinct to yeah, fight or fight. flight, right? Yeah. Flight is kind of the first instinct. No one wants to fight. That's the last resort, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good good so advice the, there. The Badlands is just awesome. It was an awesome campsite, awesome people. And I'm starting to feel good now on my trip. I'm starting to unwind. And it's like, you know, there are some friendly people out here. So we got up that next morning, told everybody goodbye and all that. And we said our goodbyes and safe travels and whatnot. And I headed into Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. and gosh, man, I'm telling you the black Hills are, they are so beautiful. And the smell, I think it's Ponderosa pines that are there. It's a sweet pine vanilla type smell. And it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. I could, I could live there. I loved it in the black Hills. I've always been a big fan of Deadwood. So mm-hmm. made it to Mount Rushmore, hiked all around Mount Rushmore. Incredible how they blasted and chiseled all those presidents' faces out of that, how many years it took. Mm-hmm. Went to Crazy Horse. They are still working on it, been working on it since 1942. Wow. And it's not, not even halfway completed yet. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. Before I got to Glacier National Park, I got into Montana. And you just drive forever and don't see anything. And you see a sign says historical marker or whatever. And I'd get off on these dirt roads and I'd fall for 15 miles sometimes. Mm-hmm. Think I don't see a historical marker yet. And then all of a sudden you come up on a ranch. 
somebody's ranch out in the middle of nowhere in Montana, you know? And I was like, well, yeah. I don't think this. it. So I turned around and go back. So I stopped at this place called Salmon Lake on my way to Glacier. And there's a campground. I thought, man, I'm going to see if I can get a site in here. I pulled in. Guys, retired Air Force. I got my Air Force hat on. We thanked each other for our service, this and that. And he goes, man, you're lucky. He goes, I got one site just for one night. And I said, I'll take it. So I pulled in there, got out of my truck, and the guy sitting across the campsite, he goes, now there's a guy after my heart. And he was in a Toyota Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Him and his wife were camping out in the back of their Tacoma. And so we got to be pretty good friends. We spent probably three or four hours talking. In between dinner, he'd come back over. We'd have a beer, whatever, and talk. And come to find out, he was a woodshop teacher which is my passion. I have my own wood shop here. And so we hit it right off and we we're showing each other our trucks and what we've got and this and that. And I've been texting him some, and actually I've been wanting to text him my new modifications that I've done. Of course. So yes, I feel like, yes, I've met some good friends, uh, Mike and Kathy. They were from Helena, Montana, great people. And he gave me great advice for getting into Glacier National Park. Oh, what is it? I, Should we give that to others? I said, it's crowded, right? He said, it's going to be very crowded. He said, you can do one of two things. Either go outside uh, right before you go into the park, rent a kayak. And he said, if you got a kayak rental or a canoe rental or something like that inside the park, they'll let you on by pretty quick. They won't make you wait in line. Mm -hmm. Or you can get there at five o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning and be the first one in line, you know? And he said, you won't have a wait. If you get there at five o'clock, you'll just drive right in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. There wasn't a soul there at five o'clock in the morning. I don't know if we should let that secret out. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Early bird yeah. catches the worm, right? Yeah. And so when I got there, I was having trouble. Everybody and their brother was there with campers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to find a place or anything, you know, and I didn't want to get another motel. I didn't need one. It didn't need shower. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, I met, I pulled into this RV park. It's called Whispering Pines RV Resort. And I met this couple named Bob and Jerry. They were the host there. And I asked her if she had any place she could put me. And she said, I am full. And I said, well, it's just me and my truck. And she goes, you can stay here in the parking lot if you want. She said, that's all you're sleeping in? And I said, yeah. And uh, she said, well, you can stay in the parking lot if you want. And I said, well, let me go out and see what else I can find. You know, it's kind of out in the blazing sun and whatnot. And I started to leave and I seen where she had a sign that said primitive camping. I said, do you have anything down that lane? And she goes, well, I could put you next to our building down there where they kept their equipment and stuff to take care of the campgrounds. And she said, come on, hop in the carts. Took me back there in a little uh, golf cart. And I said, this is perfect. And she goes, I've got enough extension cord to reach if you want some electricity reach from the building over. And I said, I've got extension cord with me. I said, this would be perfect. And she backed me into the shadiest little spot in this and at this RV park. And it was just awesome. I mean, they were great people. And that's what makes the moments right on these camping trips are these like little experiences and having your tundra along the way. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And so then her husband came down to see what my setup was in this truck. Mm-hmm. How are you sleeping in there and all that? So they wandered around and looked at it and checked out the table and all my little gadgets and all that, you know, and 
was, it was a lot of fun. Jeff is a diehard Toyota customer, and it's something that started way before his camping trips or even before he got his Tundra. He's always driven Toyota vehicles, and so does the rest of his family. I remember when I was in the service, uh, I can remember when they came out with the Toyota SR5 in 1970 somewhere around there, and I just love those little trucks. So finally, I went in the service in 1978. 1982, I was able to afford one, and I bought a brand new one. I put over 300,000 miles on that truck, and that was just traveling around California and all that. Then I got orders to Alaska. I sold the truck. Didn't Mm -hmm. think I would need it. I was going to be doing a lot of traveling. I I had great adventures in Alaska. I traveled the whole state. I was fortunate enough to travel to 56 different sites, live in the bush, camp, uh, set up our own camps. It was pretty awesome. And so then when I'd go back to Anchorage, I didn't have any transportation but a bicycle. And I decided to get another. Naturally. Another Toyota. Yeah. So I bought the same era, 82, except this one was yellow and had a camper top on it. And that's probably when I first started camping out of uh, out of. Toyotas with the camper top. I had several adventures up there, and uh, my whole family comes from Toyotas. Uh, my, all my children have four kids that learned to drive in a Sequoia. My wife drove an '88 Corolla, '94 Corolla, and then she had a a '94 SR5 Toyota truck. And then, um, gosh, we've been driving Toyotas forever. And what do you currently own? So I had a 96 Toyota Corolla that I used to drive back and forth to work, a commuter car. Mm -hmm. The speedometer broke somewhere around 340,000, 350,000 miles. I still drove it for another year. And finally, the transmission went out of it or something went wrong. And I just said, that's it. So I read a book on leadership at one time. And I love my weekends. I love camping. And the guy said uh, in this book, he said, you know, the average male lives to be 75 years old. So right out of the gate, you got 3,900 weekends that you get to enjoy while we're here on this planet. Well, um, at that time, I was 57, 58 years old, and I figured up how many more weekends I had left. And I was always frugal, hate car payments, didn't want a car payment, things like that. And finally, I figured up that I only had roughly about 600 and some weekends left. And it kind of put it in perspective. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go get a new truck. And I'm going to get the truck that I want. And so that's how the Tundra came about. In case you missed it, Jeff mentioned that his whole family comes from Toyota. I wanted to hear more about that. Your father worked for Toyota, right? Yes, he did. Yes. What did he do for Toyota? Actually, he still works there. He's 83 (laughs) years old. Does he really? And he contracts, he teaches plastic injection molding to new people that want to learn it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. And I can't remember the year that he retired, but he's been contracting there for the last at least 10 years, probably. Oh, wow. And and do you know what year he started working for Toyota? It had to be in the 90s, probably 92, 93, somewhere around in there. Wow, that's incredible. He was been an instructor practically the whole time at Toyota, I think. Teaching TIG welding, MIG welding, wherever the, you know, the tiny little welds. 
yeah. some mold, things like that. If there's one thing we love here at Toyota, it is knowledge transfer, right? <laughs> Someone yeah. instructing us, telling us, making sure to pass on that information to all the new people that are coming through so we yeah. can improve upon it. So that's awesome. Think, nice. So what vehicles do you currently own? I own a 2016 Toyota Tundra. My wife drives a 2021 Tundra. <gasps> a 2021. Are they the same grades? Yes. Okay. So you both have TRD Pros? Yes. Two Tundras. I love it. Her Prius just died. So she drove a Prius forever and it just died. And uh, that's how we ended up with another truck. Yeah. So. I mean, that makes sense. How many miles have you put on it going to all these places? 6,000. 6,000. Wow. 6,000 miles round trip in two weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That is quite a lot. So what would you say the Tundra's role is in all of these adventures? I think I know, but I want to hear it from you. Uh, the dependability, just uh, knowing that you're not going to have anything go wrong with that truck. You can count on it. You mm -hmm. can count on it for whatever you need. It's comfortable. Driving in Glacier, going down the hills with, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the standard. You can yep. use it in automatic or you can use it in standard. Mm -hmm. And I would just hit that. I never had to hit my brakes once going down the hill. I yeah. just let the truck and the motor, transmission, everything do everything. Yeah. And I would see all these other people. I think, man, they're all going to need new brakes by the time they get home, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was pretty awesome. I just put it down in third gear and just cruise down the hill. It sounds like Jeff has got his retirement completely figured out, and he's going to keep going on these adventures for as long as he can. Oh, yes. We just got back from... Uh, uh, Cherokee, North Carolina. That's awesome. So have you seen that we are going to be unveiling a new 2022 next generation Tundra? Oh, they are. Yeah, we have a next generation Tundra coming out that we are unveiling uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks here. I think by the time this podcast episode comes out, it will be out. We put a picture on our social media channels of the next generation Tundra and what it looks like. Uh, people are excited, but do you think that that's something? I mean, I know that 2016, you've got miles for days left on that track to keep going. Um, so does your wife. She has a 2021, but could a next generation Tundra be in your future or maybe one of your kids? Possibly. You know, my daughter drives a 2018, maybe a 2019 Tacoma. It's that burnt orange color. Yes. Yes. And, uh, so, so she might be yeah, looking to go bigger. She might, yeah. And Toyota's did, been after her to, trying to buy that. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Did <laughs> did your kids get the bug too for travel and, and camping? Oh, yeah. Um, all my kids camp. Um, they don't camp out of their vehicles or anything like that yet. Uh, yet. Yet. But they will. once. Mm -hmm. uh, they think this is pretty cool. Yeah. And my grandson loves it. He he camps a lot with us. He's five, so he loves it. It's incredible. All right, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. I'm gonna show you a picture of the next generation tundra. So oh cool. All right. So there it is. There she is. There and could that's be the one TRD in my Pro. <laughs> that's that's the TRD Pro and you can see the red seats on the interior there. That is yeah. a nice looking super cool. Yeah. God, so September 19th. Yep, I can send it to you. Absolutely. That's a beautiful truck. 
All right. Well, mine's all paid for. I hate to get into another car payment. <laughs> you know, we all say that and then we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know, right? That's a sharp looking vehicle. It's amazing how much Toyota can have these positive impacts on people's lives. In Jeff's case, it's by making his retirement trips something special. So my final question for you, after the ice storm on I-40, did you get to make it to the hunting trip? No, we didn't make it. <laughs> Turn uh, around. We the first hotel we could find and just watched everything happen. The safe move. <laughs> the yeah. safe move. Yes, um, absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today on Toyota Untold. It was great to hear about all your adventures. All right. Well, thank you for having me. If you have a story like Jeff's about how your Toyota has made an impact to your life or the life of someone you know, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at toyota.com and we could share your story too. Now, if you think Jeff had the right idea and taking his Tundra off-road, but you like the idea of doing it in a more sociable way, this is for you. Kevin Cavanaugh is the man behind Tundras to Sedona, an annual off-road event for cars and their enthusiasts. And they know a little bit about taking Tundras into the outdoors too. Is really the largest Tundra gathering, I think, in the world, I heard you say. Possibly. We're like, we don't want to brag, but we're pretty sure. We're absolutely the largest off-road Tundra event in the world. For sure, off-road. Okay. And so talk to me about the event. What is Tundras to Sedona? Uh, Tundras to Sedona is an opportunity for Tundra owners to go camping, basically. Like, that's literally how it started, was a bunch of friends wanted to go camping in Sedona, Arizona. Uh, They were from Southern California. I said, hey, I live in Phoenix. I'll show you around. Let's go. Uh, And then I saw kind of where they were driving from. And so I just drew a big circle around Sedona with San Diego at the outside and turned out like it encompassed Denver and Las Vegas and all kinds of places. So I just said on this uh, forum that we were on, well, if anybody wants to go to Sedona, let's go. Uh, And then like the next day I checked the forum and there was like 35 people said, yeah, let's go. So uh, it kind of went from there. It's just... When was that? That was late 2014 when we started talking about it uh so it was like winter time 2014 and we said let's make a plan to go when it's just a little bit nicer out when it starts to warm up but not when it's so warm that we've got all the tourists and the bugs so we ended up doing uh april 2015 was our first event amazing now here we are six years later yeah talk about like how did you get into tundras uh, my wife. I completely blame my wife, okay. Lisa. Uh, so as as I'm talking, there's going to be a lot of like we and our in this conversation mm-hmm. uh, because the Tundra is actually my wife's truck. And she had some uh, rules when she was in the market for a new truck. She said it's got to be big and it's got to be loud and it's got to be fast. So like when we bought it, we worked with the dealer to get stuff put on before we even like took delivery of the truck because those were her requisites. Uh, And it's sort of gotten really ridiculous from there. (laughs) What kind of stuff? Uh, to start off with, uh, straight pipes. So from Keith Cardi at BA Muffler, uh, the budget straight pipes, uh, went straight on. Okay. Uh, some rims and tires, some Bilstein 5100s, 
And that was kind of it. We, we initially didn't want to do a bunch of off-roading with it. Uh, we had um, street bikes at the time. Uh, I had a CBR1000RR. She had a Gixxer 750. So we were like, oh, we're going to tow the motorcycles to the track. Uh, we had an FRS that we had gotten the year before. We'll just be towing the FRS to the track. Uh, we had horses. We're like, we're just going to be using this kind of as a tow rig. Uh, but we got 4x4 because we've had enough other vehicles, different manufacturers, and uh, a previous Tundra that was two-wheel drive that we knew we had to get four-wheel drive just mm -hmm. because at some point we're going to go camping, we're going to be in the snow something, so we got four-wheel drive. And uh, the the bug bit as yeah. we fell in with the wrong crowd uh, and got or influenced. Or the right crowd. <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> the right crowd. <laughs> it's so much the right crowd. Like our friends, um, we're all like sort of a group, the Speed Glampers, Uber Fart, uh, we, we hang out and we go off road. We try to go like once a month in the beginning, we were really good at getting together like once a month for four or five days of off roading. Uh, but they're like building long travel, having rooftop tents, refrigerators, like all this stuff onboard water. So you could like wash your hands and have a shower and, and because of the type of people we are, we're constantly trying to one-up each other. So, like, now one guy has a microwave. Alex has a microwave literally in the cab of his truck. Mm -hmm. And we have a hot water system so we can have hot showers. And, like, yeah, it's everybody just taking it to the next level. So, Tundra Sedona has grown over the years, right? Now you're going to have 400 plus this year, 2021? Yeah, we've got like over 400 people. Uh, we've got 150 Tundras registered. Uh, 2019, I'm probably going to say this like last year. I'm going to always refer to it as last year because 2020 was just the year it that didn't, didn't happen. Yeah. So last year, 2019, uh, <laughs> we had 212 Tundras uh, and 700 wow, people. So you've like doubled. I think that's one of the things that I found interesting during the pandemic is a lot of people now take, you know, are doing more off-road things mm -hmm. and changing, modifying their trucks to be, you know, more self-sufficient, right? So mm -hmm. that you have the camper tent, you can do everything, go somewhere and just kind of chill there, right? Are you seeing that among the community? Oh, it's insane. I mean, it's it's grown so, so much. So I, I don't want to say we're like, OG, but we've kind of been doing it for a while before it started to get popular and then it caught on. It's like, I don't know what movie came out, but like Fast and the Furious came out and then all of a sudden those cars were wild and crazy everywhere. I don't know. It feels like some movie came out about overlanding or something happened that popularized it and the off-roading and, and all that stuff to where you just, you cannot drive down the road in Arizona or California and not see uh, a truck with a rooftop tent or an SUV with rooftop tent. And you know, those people are going to go out and do that stuff. Uh, it, it's just grown so much. It's crazy. So what are you looking forward to about your event? Because it's happening pretty soon and it might have already happened by the time this podcast episode comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh my gosh, man, there's so much that's so fun about it. So what what really started it for me, like sort of the passion that drives me to keep doing it is introducing people to off-roading in their tundra, maybe for the first time. So when when we first started doing it, people didn't really recognize how capable the Tundra is off-road. Everybody said, you know, if you want to go off-road, you really got to get a Tacoma. You got to be in a 4Runner. You got to be in an FJ, right? <clears throat> if you're going to be a Toyota in the dirt, you got to be one of those things. And my friends and I, we were wheeling the heck out of Tundras and 
I said, we've had other OEMs. One of them starts with a J and ends with a P, and we've had like three of those. And we've taken our Tundra every place that we've taken those. And so it was really about helping people realize that just because they got this full-size truck doesn't mean they couldn't actually go off-road and go hit trails. So like we organize ourselves in such a way that we have um, trail runs every day in the morning and the afternoon. But through our commitment to the Forest Service and to the city of Sedona, uh, and the Chamber of Commerce and, and all the other companies that make their living off of the land out there, the, the tourist community out there, uh, we commit to only allowing eight trucks on a trail at a time. So there's a lot of different trails in Sedona. We've got a lot of people, but we spread them all out. So we, we have a, a trail leader that gets assigned a, a group of people that have signed up to go run that trail at that time. Uh, and we only allow eight at a time. So when you register for the event, you actually pick the trails as though you were going to a conference and you've signed up for Broken Arrow in the morning on Thursday or no, you've like signed different up. different tracks. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you, you pick the stuff that you want to do and then we make sure that we've got uh, people in place to lead that group for mm -hmm. those trails. And, and again, sort of getting back to the original question, the getting people on some of those trails and to, uh, to see their response when they climb an obstacle in their tundra that they think of as their daily driver or their grocery getter or their tow rig or, you know, whatever. When they climb Submarine Hill uh, at Broken Arrow for the first time and they get out and they're like, what in the world? I had no idea this truck could do that. And then there's like, all of them are doing it. Like, it doesn't even, you can do it. Literally, you can run all of Broken Arrow in a stock Tundra, and people just don't think that way. So mm -hmm. getting them exposure to that, uh, building the confidence, uh, getting them exposed to different opportunities to expand their horizons, like just to get out and go camping, take mm -hmm. the kids, get in the woods, have a good time. Don't worry about whether you can make it or not, because you absolutely, you can make it. That's incredible. And it's about community too, right? Like building... Because these people like become your friends. You like meet them online or they sign up for your event and then you continue these traditions with them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, my favorite part about the whole event, like what do I look forward to the most? Campfire time, mm -hmm. drinking a beer, hanging out, shooting the breeze, hugging everybody, catching up with, you know, folks that either haven't seen for a year or haven't seen for a couple years because of COVID and all that stuff. Like I'm super looking forward to that. But whenever I look back at the pictures of past events, I always find myself gravitating to the ones that are just these like candid shots of people hanging out, sitting around in their camp chairs or hanging out around the campfire. Like that's, that's my real, real favorite part. Amazing. Well, thank you for being on Toyota Untold. Kevin, how do people follow you and Tundras to Sedona? Uh, so it's Tundras to Sedona on Instagram or tundrastosedona.com. And I am on uh, Instagram at underscore, underscore, Kevin K, underscore, underscore, because no cool names were actually left. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to the best of us. And I just to clarify, it is Tundra's and then the word to, T-O. That's correct. Not the number. That's no. correct. Tund okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Toyota Untold. If you want to hear more from Kevin, make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you use, because later on in this run of Tundra episodes, you'll be able to hear from him as he takes a look inside the new 2022 Tundra with us in person. 
And if you're new to the show, be sure to check out the whole back catalog of episodes we have available wherever you listen to this one. We've had amazing interviews with everyone you could imagine from the world of Toyota. Have you ever wondered how much research Toyota puts into the psychological relationships between a driver and car? Or how did a Gladiator Supra become the poster child for the Fast and the Furious franchise? All of this and more can be heard in our past episodes. In fact, if you ever want to hear more about taking your Toyota outside, check out our episode Toyota in the Wild, which features discussions on accessibility, capability, and even philosophy with champion angler Gerald Swindle, outdoors YouTuber Mike Pfeiffer, and adventure photographer Dan Krause. And thanks once again to today's guests, Jeff Buchenroth and Kevin Cavanaugh. Join us next episode as we start to go deep into what exactly you can expect from the new 2022 Tundra. As always, I'm Tyler. And I'm Kelsey. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed herein by the individuals are their own opinions. This represents an actual Toyota owner's experience and Toyota does not warrant its accuracy. Performance results are unique. Similar performance is not guaranteed. Modifying your vehicle with non-genuine Toyota parts can negatively affect your warranty, safety performance, and street legality. The Toyota Tundra is designed to meet most off-road driving requirements, but off-roading is inherently dangerous and may result in vehicle damage. Toyota encourages responsible operation to help protect you, your vehicle, and the environment. Seatbelts should be worn at times. Do not allow passengers to ride in the cargo area. Never tow beyond a vehicle's published towing capacities. See owner's manual for limitations. This podcast is brought to you by Toyota Motor North America Incorporated and Toyota Motor Sales USA Incorporated and may not be reproduced or redistributed in whole or in part without prior permission of Toyota. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and or hosts and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Toyota. Please note that Toyota is not responsible for any errors or the accuracy or timeliness of the content provided. Used with permission, all rights deserved worldwide.